Well, good morning and welcome to Echo. My name is Tim Jones. I'm one of the pastors on staff, and we are so glad that you are here with us today. Today, it's pretty evident from the video and the pictures that we are talking about baptism. Now, although that may not be an exciting subject to you, it has some major ramifications for us, and I'm going to do my best to make it exciting as well. Well, whether you grew up in the church or around the church, um, whether you attended a Protestant church ranging from the letter A uh, in the beginning of its name to the letter Z or in the Catholic church, we all have an opinion about baptism. And uh, whether even if you didn't grow up in the church, you have an opinion about baptism, kind of like, hey, what is up with baptism at least? And um, the reason is that those uh, opinions often are formed uh, from the tradition that we grew up in. And so often our tradition is the reason why we have our certain belief about baptism, rather than some uh, in-depth Bible study or some comparisons of baptisms or just simply a discussion about baptism. So let me tell you how my tradition kind of impacted my life, uh, especially when I became a pastor at one of the first baptisms that I did. So here at Epic, we do baptisms at the beautiful ocean. And about seven years ago, Trent, myself, and another person went out to baptize uh, this person. And there's all these people who are along the, uh, the shore and everything, and they're ready to cheer for this person who's going to go under and come up and everything. And so we go on out, and there's two of us who usually kind of help the person to go underneath the water and then come back out of the water. And then sometimes, because the ocean's so rough, there's a third person to kind of help stabilize things and everything. Well, I was playing the role of that third person. And... Um, so Trent and this other person take the person back to go underneath the water. Trent says, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And here's what you need to know about baptisms. Um, people, especially in the ocean, are a little more buoyant in the ocean because of the salt water. So when they took this person back, this person didn't quite make it underneath the water. Their entire face was still above the water. And so, you know, when you act faster than you think, um, I had one of those moments and I thought, oh my goodness, this person didn't get baptized, you know, they didn't go underneath the water, you know, um, and from my tradition, you've got to go underneath the water in order to be baptized. So I thought I'd take care of that and then step up in the emergency. So I just took a couple of my hands and finish the job, you know? So here at Epic, we partially submerge and we also sprinkle. So that way we cover all the traditions that are out there. And then um, if you pay us an extra $20, we hold you underneath a little bit longer until you're fully clean and you come out of the water. Um, if you didn't catch my name, it's Trent Shockey. And if you'd like to email me, you can email me at Trent at baldbeauty.com. Uh, for any of your complaints now that I've offended every single tradition out there. So, now seriously, when we think about our traditions, uh, they have the power to shape our beliefs and our actions. And we can get pretty passionate about those traditions. And uh, as people with traditions and believe in traditions, um, you know, often we don't slow down to examine the tradition itself. 
And why is there that tradition? And what's the real explanation behind it? And what's that tradition and where did it come from? And so let me give you an example of how I stumbled upon this. Um, Sarah and I, after we got married, uh, we were living in Virginia and we ended up going to a University of Virginia uh, football game because neither of us had really been at a big time college football game and they were real close to us. So we said, let's go. So we go there and it was amazing. There's all these cool traditions and all of a sudden the fans started doing this thing throughout the game. They did several things, but it was all related to one. They started to refer to themselves as the Wahoos or the Who's. And they had this chant that was go Wahoo Wah. And Sarah and I are looking at each other and we're like, that's weird. They're the Cavaliers, you know? They have this mascot over there. He's kind of like this swashbuckling Cavalier musketeer, you know? So what's a Wahoo? Well, after the game, uh, we asked one of the students what a wahoo is. And she says, well, a wahoo is a fish that can drink twice its body weight in water. And as students of UVA, we can do the same with our drinking. Go wahoos. (laughs) And I was like, I think she was drinking a little too much wahoo herself, you know? Like, really? Well, I go home and I do the research. And sure enough, that's one of the acceptable uh, traditions or reasons for the tradition. But then I did some more research, and here's where the term wahoo really most likely comes from. In the 1890s, uh, the University of Virginia was playing baseball against Washington and Lee, and the students had learned this new cheer from Dartmouth College when they had played them prior to that, and the cheer was, go wahoo wah. And so the students loved it, and they were doing that cheer all throughout the baseball game, and the Washington and Lee fans were getting tired of it. And so they started to shout out to the UVA students, you're just a bunch of wahoos. And so the nickname stuck, and that's most likely where the traditions come from. But yet, if you ask any UVA student, they will give you, and they are convinced that it is the drinking story, and that's where the tradition comes from. Uh, So unfortunately, they haven't done their homework and really found out where the tradition comes from. Now, unfortunately, that happens with baptism as well. And sometimes because we grew up in a tradition, it can be a very sensitive subject. And today I would like us to kind of take a step back. I would like to kind of erase our traditions for a moment and look at baptism through the lens of scripture and through the lens of history and really see when it began, why we do it, what's the significance, and especially what's the significance for us as well. And so I'm going to make it, do my best to make it engaging. And then the other goal that I have for us today is this. I want to be upfront with this. If you have never been baptized and you are a Christ follower, my goal is that after this message that you will join us at the baptism today at 5 p.m. at 15th Street North to be baptized. And don't worry, I won't splash you, Okay. But that's my goal for us today. If you are a Christ follower and you have never been baptized, then make that commitment today to be baptized. So let's unpack baptism and see through scripture and through history what we can learn about baptism and the significance for us. So if you would, turn to Matthew 28, verse 18 in your Bibles or your smartphone device. And um, I'm gonna start there and then I'm gonna jump around to many passages because baptism is throughout the New Testament. And so I'm gonna do my best to cover the bulk of those. Um, If you wanna try to keep up, awesome. We'll put the verses up on the screen. But go ahead and turn to this first one because it's important. So go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. 
Now, as you turn there, let me tell you what has just happened prior uh, to Jesus. What we're going to see is he's giving his last words to his disciples before he departs to heaven. And so 40 days prior to this last discussion that he had with his disciples, um, 40 days prior to that, he was dead. He was crucified. He had been crucified on the cross. His disciples saw him die, but they also saw him come back to life. And it was an event. It was something that happened. It was something that changed their lives. Um, He appeared to Mary Magdalene. Then he appeared to Peter and John. And over 500 people ran into him within 40 days after his death. And so these followers who were like, while he was dead, were scared to death. They thought the Romans and the Jews were going to come after him because they just killed Jesus. And so they didn't know what to do. But then we see these disciples transformed. And now they are going out and boldly speaking about Jesus. And the reason is, is because they saw him come back to life. It was something that happened, that changed them, that marked their lives. And so they knew that Jesus had died on the cross for their sins and that their sins were forgiven. When they put their faith in him, they knew they had a right standing. And so they had their ears open to these last words that Jesus was going to speak to them before he departed to heaven. And so this is what he said to them and he says to us, here's his final command starting in Matthew 28, 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Now this is important, okay? The disciples saw him use his authority. They saw him use it to clear up the misconceptions about God. He used it to heal people. He used his authority um, to reach out to people who society didn't want have to do anything with. He used his authority to forgive sins. And so that's how he used his power. And he used his power to take our place on the cross for us. And so that's why it was so important for the disciples to pay attention. They were like, you've got our undivided attention on what you want to say to us because we are in a relationship with you. So say what you need to say. Verse 19 Here's the command. He says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. That's the command. Baptizing them in whose name? In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. So here's the reason why churches are inviting people to become Christ followers and to be baptized. Making disciples and being baptized was God's idea. Jesus commands it because he wants us to go exactly do what he did. He wants us to go and clear up the misconceptions about God. He wants us to help others towards God and into a relationship with him. And when people enter into a relationship with Jesus, God changes their lives. And God gives them a new heart that wants to love others, that wants to do good. And so that's why we encourage everyone here at Epic to be a part of 3G, but to do that on a regular basis, to do that every single day. You know, a couple of weeks ago when you guys went out and did 3G, one of the women at the domestic violence shelter, which you guys raised all that money for, she said, when Epic comes here, it feels like family. 
And that's exactly what Jesus wants, to, wants us to be doing. He wants us to reach out to those who are hurting. He wants us to break down barriers to those who have no idea or who don't understand what love really is. And so Jesus came to be able to say, hey, I want everyone to enter into a relationship with Jesus. And that's why he commands us to go. And so knowing that, um, we, we now know why do we go? Why do we go out and make disciples? Why do we baptize? It was something that Jesus commanded us to do. Now, I want us to look a little bit more at the significance of it, and I want us to do it through this great illustration that um, I think kind of gives us exactly what we need to hear. So I want us to imagine that we are going back in time to the context of that day and hearing and seeing baptism for uh, the first time ever and unwrapping it. I think it will make more sense to understand the significance and the meaning behind that. And so imagine with me that you are a Greek merchant and that you're in 30 AD, and you've been going from place to place with your family, moving uh, because your business is doing better over here, and then later on it does better over here, and you decide to settle in Palestine next to the Jordan River. And as you're there, you start to observe these Jewish people, and you are so impressed with their work ethic. In fact, you are so impressed with their dedication to family, with their dedication to the community. But the thing that strikes you the most is their dedication to their one true God. I mean, you're a religious person. You've been worshiping Zeus. You've been worshiping Poseidon and all these others, and they haven't really done anything for you. And so at some point you say, you know what? I am so impressed with the Jews. I am so impressed with God. Like, what do I need to do in order to belong to them, to belong to their God? And so one day you tell your wife, hey, you know, I'm going to go down to the Jewish scribes, the lawyers, and I'm going to see what it takes for us to become Jewish. And she's like, great, go for it. Let's do it. And so you go on down. One of the scribes says, yeah, you know, it is possible for Gentiles to become Jewish. You know, someone who was not born in that lineage and, you know, is not Jewish and born Jewish. And, and so it's possible for a Gentile to become Jewish. He says, but there's five requirements. And I want to go through the list, especially the first one, because that kind of rules people out. So here are the five requirements. I'm going to start with the hardest one. Number one, you have to be circumcised. Ouch. Yeah. And the scribe said, well, usually people say that a little louder, you know, but, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's the first requirement. And usually that's a showstopper. Number two, make a sacrifice at the temple. And so when you come before God, you ask for forgiveness of all your sins and you tell him that you want him to be your God. Number three, take part in a big covenant meal. Number four, commit to follow the law and to top it all off, Number five, participate in a ceremonial washing, which symbolizes your decision that you've already made to leave behind uh, being Gentile and becoming Jewish. And so it's just kind of like the icing on top of the cake, you know, just here you go. So the scribe, he writes down all these requirements for you. And uh, when he's writing down these requirements, the word for washing that he uses is the Greek word baptizo, okay, which simply means to wash, to dip in, or under, or to immerse, or to sink. And so it was a very common word. It had no religious meaning uh, whatsoever. Now, here's a part of the piece of the puzzle where we get a little confused, okay, because instead of just translating the word uh, baptizo into wash, or to dip, or immerse, we've tried, when we take Greek into English, 
Instead, we try to transliterate it, okay? And so we take this Greek word, instead of translating it to dip or to wash, we just transliterate it, which is we try to come up with a one-word equivalent to match this word. So baptizo, you know, Greek letter starts with beta and then alpha, and we just say, well, that's a B for us, that's an A. And so baptizo, baptize, very close, very similar, And so whenever you see baptize or baptizo or or baptism in the Bible, it really means to wash or to, you know, submerge or to immerse. Um, And yet the issue that gets us into trouble is at times when we see in the New Testament um, the word to wash or to dip, that's the same word they use. It was baptizo. And so now languages do this all the time, okay? So my name, my full name is Timothy. And when you try to take Timothy into Spanish, there's no equivalent. And so what they do instead is they transliterate it. And so my name means honoring God. Now, they don't assign the Spanish words that mean honoring God. Instead, they just say Timothy to Timoteo. And so pretty much a transliteration of the name. That's all they do. And so when they did that with baptism, baptizo, that's all they were doing. There was not this, you know, context of this is something like majorly different or something. No, it just sounds better. You know, he baptized him rather than he washed him. What does that mean? That's a little strange, you know? So anyways, that's what kind of makes sense to us. So now let's jump back into the story, all right? So you go home and you tell your wife, or you want to tell her these five requirements at least, all right? Well, she is down by the River Jordan washing. And so you go on down there and she's baptizing the, the clothing and everything. And You go on down there and you say, hey, honey, you know, the good news is we can become Jewish. The bad news is it's going to be a whole lot easier for you than me. All right. Just saying, I might want to think about it a little bit longer here. So then you start to hear this guy yelling. I mean, he's just yelling. He's saying stuff and all the people kind of washing, start walking over to him. And let's pick up in Matthew 3, 1. In those days, John the Baptist, or the washer, the dipper, came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And so you go to see what all the commotion is about. You hear this message from this wild looking kind of crazy guy, you know, and he's telling the Jews to repent of their sins and turn back to God uh, because he's preparing the way for the Messiah, the one who will save them. And so he tells them that they need, in order to be right with God, that they need to repent because being Jewish wasn't enough. Offering sacrifices wasn't enough. Following the law to the letter T and I, dying the I, wasn't enough. Instead, they had to make a decision to repent of their sins in order to be right with God. And then he says to them, hey, when you believe that, come on down here and show us that you believe that. And so for the first time in history, people are lining up to be baptized, to be washed. And we don't know how he did it, but it was some kind of immerse, some kind of submerge. And they did that to publicly express the decision that they just had made as they were listening to him. And then it dawns on you. It's like, I know what these people are doing. This is exactly, you know, what they're doing. They're buying into his message when they're coming down. And they are making this decision and they want everyone to see that they are believing in what John has just said. 
And so this is kind of like that list, you know, number five there, you know. When I wanted to become Jewish, you know, there was a ceremonial washing. There was this icing on top of the cake that just kind of defined what I already committed to do. And so something similar here is going on. Repent and then be baptized. And so then all of a sudden, John points to you and says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And you're like, what, what? And then you feel this arm gently push you aside. And the crowd starts to go, it's Jesus, it's Jesus, it's Jesus. In Matthew 3.13, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. And after, he, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were open and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. And so everyone's witnessing this amazing thing that has just happened to Jesus, this voice. It wasn't the baptism. It was this voice that came out of nowhere that claimed that this is his son who he is well pleased with. And everyone, as Jesus starts to walk away, wants to follow and find out more about who Jesus is. And so some of you might ask, well, why did Jesus need to get baptized by John? I mean, it, you know, it wasn't because Jesus had sinned. The reason Jesus got baptized by John was to show that John's message was true. John had said that the Messiah was coming and the Messiah was here. And so John was pointing the way to the one who could take away the sins of the world. And we see this pattern continuing, people accepting this message. Listen to this. In John 4, 1, it says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So we see John's baptism starting to decrease and more and more people started to realize that Jesus is the one whom John was talking about. And, but yet we see the same pattern going on with Jesus' disciples personal decision to repent and being baptized. And so we see the same pattern continued. Jesus, even after he left and went back to heaven and the church began to grow, listen to this in Acts chapter 2, 41. It says, those who believed what Peter said, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. So on and on this went, people repenting, and then being baptized. And so what is baptism then? Well, it's a public declaration to everyone of your new association. That's it. Baptism doesn't save us, all right? So when someone becomes a Christ follower, baptism is just going public and telling everyone of the decision that you already had made about Jesus. And that's the pattern that we see throughout scripture. We see this personal decision, and then we see a decision to be baptized. And so let me focus on that for a little bit about how personal it is, okay? So when people make a decision about Jesus, it's on their own. When people make a decision about baptism, it's on their own. We see that in scripture over and over and over again. And some people ask us here at Epic why we don't baptize infants or really young children. And the reason is we just don't see that in scripture. We always see a person making a personal decision about Jesus and then making a personal decision to be baptized. 
And so baptism was always a personal decision by an individual. Now, some of you that might kind of step on your toes because you've been taught, you know, what about infants and all those things? And here's something that you need to know. There are so many places in Scripture where God says that he will take care of those who are unborn, the infants, those who can't make a decision. He's big enough. He's strong enough. And he can take care of those who can't make a decision for themselves. All right? So sometimes we might wonder, all right, well, why did Jesus command baptism? Why did he ordain the act of baptism? You know, uh, why is there such thing as a baptism? What's the significance behind that? You know, um, if salvation is through faith, then why institute a ritual? Now, uh, several years ago, I kind of had this put in front of my face in a more real way. So Sarah and I, uh, years ago, uh, ended going up to Macedonia on two mission trips uh, to work with college students. And Macedonia is above Greece. It's a small little country. And uh, many of the country, uh, or much of the country, is very poor. It was devastated by the Soviet Union. They have never recovered. And these trips were in 2006, 2007. I mean, it is still like just chaos there with many of the civil wars that have happened there and everything. Now, many of the college students... Um, when we would work with them, they had no problem with becoming Christ followers. The issue was, uh, was actually around going public with their faith and being baptized. Because in their tradition, in their culture, like they were a part of the family of God because they were baptized as infants. And so if they were to get baptized, they could be kicked out of their home. Many of them lived at home. It was a super poor country. Many of them were not only kicked out of their house, but even disowned. And so for them, doing this was a major step for them. And so uh, when I saw that, I realized just how significant baptism is. The reason that Jesus made baptism so significant is that it represents a step of faith to trust God, uh, a step of faith to trust that God is in control no matter what, and that we are happy to follow him, and that we are happy to follow his commands. Because when we look at baptism, it really symbolizes, it really represents what we should be doing as Christ followers every single day. Every day, we should trust God. Every day, we should get up in the morning and be able to uh, meet with him. Every day, we should be becoming more like him. Every day, we should lay aside our own rights and what we want to do and our own self-interest. Every day, we should be concerned more with others, those who are broken, those who are hurting, those who are far from God. And so why wouldn't we want to be associated with the one who wanted to be associated with us? He died for us. He paid the penalty for our sins. When we believe that, he gives us the right to become children of God. He gives us a right standing that forever changes our relationship and can never be taken away. And so he gives us this new life. And so why wouldn't we want to be associated with the one who loves us so much and to take this step of baptism to publicly express and say, I want to be associated with the one who wanted to be associated with me. And it represents how every day our life should look like. So that's the meaning. That's the significance 
of baptism. So for us today, this is what I want us to do. This is how we're going to close. On your seats, there's a card. I want you to grab that card here. All right, so go ahead and grab that card. In a moment, I'm gonna close in prayer and we're gonna close out with a song as well. And here's what I want you to do. In that first section, if you are a Christ follower and you have never been baptized, as you read that, it's going to ask you to make a commitment. And we're doing this with just adults today. Um, to be baptized this afternoon at 5 p.m. And so if that's the commitment that you would like to make during the song, you just check that box. Then you fill out the backside and you turn it in at the table uh, over here, our baptism table. And this afternoon, that will let us know that you're coming out today and that you're ready to take that step to be baptized. Now, maybe you're not a Christ follower, but you've been coming and you've been seeing how God has been kind of dropping down these misconceptions that you've had about God. And you've been seeing how this church goes out and does so much for the community. And you just are like, that's what I want to be a part of. And so today, if you have never made a decision to enter into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ, on that card, there's a section that describes how to do that. You just simply express, you simply pray to God and say, God, I want to become a Christ follower. And on the card, it guides you in just saying exactly what you need to say to express to him and saying, I'm in, I want to be yours. And so if that's the decision that you make today, and it's also going to challenge you to go public with that decision, to let us know that you made that decision this morning and this afternoon, I want to let everybody know of the decision I made this morning. And so you check that card and you fill out the back and turn it in at the Connection Center. And then for all of us, I just want to encourage us all to go out at five o'clock at 15th Street North in Flagler Beach and support everyone who's getting baptized. Here's the deal. 2,000 years ago, Jesus instituted baptism as a picture of us associating with him because he was the one who wanted to associate with us. He gave his life. And so this is a way that we can express our love back to him. And so that's the decision before us. So I'm gonna pray and then the team's gonna come out and you check out that card. If you are ready to make that commitment, then make that commitment today during the song and then join in with the band as they finish off the song. So let's pray. So Father, thank you so much for today. God, thank you that you came after us. God, you saw us hurting. You saw us broken. And Father, you came in. Jesus, you came. You died on the cross. There's so many eyewitnesses. It's amazing. And so, Father, today, I just pray for those who have never been baptized but are Christ followers. God, I pray that you give them the courage to say, you know what? It's time. I've never done that. I'm ready to be associated with you. And, Father, if there's someone here who does not know you, may you give them courage to make that decision to trust you. That's what it's about every day, trusting you. And you are there. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You want to be there every day, and you are. And so, Father, may we express our gratitude back to you. And may we learn to walk with you every day and trust you. In Jesus' name, amen.